Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Job was a man fully absorbed in seeking to be upright, perfect, and righteous before God. And without dispute, he had obtained much of what he sought after. Yet the book of Job reveals that God would never be satisfied by having his people obtain just a high ethical and moral condition such as Job's. And so bit by bit, Job was led progressively to lose all of his natural attainments and with their loss also came the loss of his trust and reliance upon himself. Listen to Job chapter 42, verse 5 and 6. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. Therefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. Not until so much of his self had been stripped away could Job begin to gain something of God and to have God himself added to his being. This is the ultimate revelation of the book of Job, and it's the ultimate revelation of the entire Bible. Ed Marks has joined us as we fellowship. I think one of the more profound, significant messages from this life study, and this has been such a journey, Ed, seeing Job in a way I think virtually none of us had ever seen before. You were there when he gave these messages, weren't you? Yes, I was, Chris. Job poses a great question, and this great question is, what is the purpose of God and his creation of man? Mm Mm-hmm. And then another part of that question is, what is the purpose of God in his dealing with his chosen ones? Why does man pass through suffering? And why do we as believers pass through suffering? So you have this great question, because here is Job, if you read the first couple verses, he's an upright man, he's a perfect man, he fears God, he hates evil. Why would he pass through so much suffering? Well, as he's passing through this suffering, There is a key verse in the book of Job, and that is Job 10.13, where Job cries out to God, and he says to God, I know that you have these things hidden in your heart. In other words, Job knew there was something hidden in God's heart concerning him in the trials he was passing through, but he didn't know what it was. Well, when you come to Paul's epistles, you see what is hidden in God's heart. And you have to put Job 10.13 together with Ephesians 3.9, where Paul says his commission was to enlighten everyone that they might see what the economy of the mystery is, which was hidden in God throughout the ages. Wow. So what is hidden in God's heart for Job and for us, Chris, for you and I and for our listeners as seeking believers, is his economy. God's economy is God's eternal plan. It's his household administration to dispense himself in Christ as the Spirit with all the unsearchable riches of Christ into God's chosen and redeemed people so that they would be saturated with him, 
soaked with him so that they'd be regenerated in their spirit, transformed in their soul, and ultimately glorified in their body to become God's corporate expression on this earth, which is the built-up body of Christ consummating in the New Jerusalem. That is God's economy. Now, Chris, this has a practical application. The point is this. We're going through all these sufferings, and we have to realize that our Christian life is not a matter of ethical attainment. We can be ethical and good. It's possible for us to have goodness and ethics apart from God. Right. And many times the Lord takes us through things to tear down every aspect of our natural man because he wants to rebuild us with himself. And with all the things Job passed through, eventually at the end, he says to God, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. In other words, I've heard a lot about you. We might know a lot of doctrines about God, about Christ. But after we pass through things, then when we turn to the Lord, he becomes very real to us. And Job saw God. We need to see God every day. When we really turn our hearts to the Lord and we see him, then he infuses himself into us and we really gain God. And then we're transformed with God and in God, and then we become the expression of Christ. We get transformed into his image. This is God's purpose for us, Chris, and this was God's purpose for Job. So, Chris, it's really something. The point is, every day we need to have a desire, Lord, I want to gain more of you today. Like Paul said in Philippians, that I may gain Christ. Gaining Christ, gaining him, really the uh, purpose of God's dealing with Job, the purpose of God's dealing with each of us, Ed. And I want to tell our listeners right at this point, as we prepare to listen to Witness Lee in this first section, we just have two sections today uh, of Witness Lee. They're a bit longer. Uh, But in this first one, we come to not just the economy of God in its process, but even to see the outcome, the result, the goal of God's economy, that we gain him to such an extent that even in transformation, Ed, humanity takes on divinity. And uh, I don't want to scare our listeners, but this is key, critical. We'll hear it spoken by Witness Lee today in a wonderful way. They'll come back and talk about this. So I just want to encourage our listeners, stay with us today for the entire program. We think there's really something special here. Here's Witness Lee, and then we'll be back, Ed. We come to the final outcome under God's consummation of the progressive divine revelation in the story of Job. The first outcome is Job gained God. Because he says, I now see you. My eyes now see you. Seeing God equals gaining God. The New Testament considers our seeing of God is a kind of gaining of God. And our gain of God is just to receive God in his element in his life, in his nature. Eventually, this makes us not just one with God. One with me mean what? Me mean you are a group, I just join you. So I'm one with you. This is quite common. This is common sense of this phrase, one with you. But we are being made parts of God, you see, without his Godhead. 
So Revelation 22 says they will see his face. All the people redeemed by God, regenerated by him, sanctified by him, transformed by him, confirmed by him, and glorified by him as the glory. All these people, eternity, one thing is very significant, that is to see God's face. This corresponds with Second Corinthians chapter 3, 18, that says, we behold God, then we reflect him, then we will be transformed. The beholding, that is the seeing of God, transforms us. Why? Because in our receiving of God, we receive his element into us. Right away, there is a kind of a metabolism going on right, to bring something new and to discharge the old elements. Then this metabolism causes a kind of a transformation. The outcome of Job is this kind of seeing of God. Yes, Job eventually didn't give us a clear word. But don't forget, the Bible never stops at Job, right? In the New Testament, to the conclusion, we see seeing God is just to have transformation. Transformation into the same glorious image. This is making us part of God that we can express him and represent him. Expressing him in life and representing him in authority. I hope that we all could be clear about this. And let's look at this verse he mentioned, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord's Spirit. This doesn't say we're transformed into an image like his, does it? It says we're transformed into the same image. Exactly, Chris. This is really quite remarkable and I feel can be a big help to our listeners. This whole statement about seeing God equals gaining God. To see God is to gain God. And actually, in our experience, the more we see God, the more we love God, and the more we abhor ourselves and hate ourselves. Well, Chris, in our daily life, like you mentioned 2 Corinthians 3.18, a very simple thing, if you go back two verses to 2 Corinthians 3.16, this says, whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And then we behold him with an unveiled face. So firstly, Chris, practically, I would like to encourage our listeners, it is a great thing to do something very simple. When we wake up in the morning, spend time with the Lord in the Word and in prayer, and just tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I turn my heart to you. I like to turn away from everything. I like to gaze on you. As we're gazing on God in the Word, in prayer, in fellowship, He is infusing the riches of Christ into us. 
And the more riches of Christ spread out from our spirit into our mind, will, and emotion, the more we express God, the more glory there is. And we go from one degree of glory to another degree of glory as we're beholding him and reflecting him. In 1 John 3, 2, it says when he's manifested, we will be exactly like him because we will see him as he is. Wow. So that is a remarkable statement. But Chris, I think one of the burdens you have, and this is really right, we shouldn't misunderstand this in any way. The New Testament says we have the life of Christ. That's 1 John 5, 11, and 12, for example. He who has the Son has the life. 2 Peter 1, 4 says we're partakers of the divine nature, which means we have his very nature, and that nature is growing in us. His life is growing in us. But we do not have his Godhead. But we can enjoy his element, his essence, his life, and his nature, and we become exactly the same as he is, not in his Godhead, but in life and in nature. And this is God's purpose. Ed, historically, there's a name for this understanding or doctrine, if you want to call it that, either deification or theosis. It really is the process of transformation whereby humanity is permeated and infused with the divine element, as you said, making us divine in life and nature, but never to become part of the Godhead. In modern-day Christianity, you just don't hear much about this. But if you go back historically, this was not a foreign concept either to the early church fathers. And interestingly, we have found some writings uh, recently of Martin Luther in the 16th century when he was, of course, expounding on the great doctrine of justification. He, at the same time, was touching this matter of deification, although he tended to call it in his writings theosis, the meaning being the same, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And Chris, you had fellowship that with me about Luther. Of course, I had known about the church fathers. This was a given among the church fathers that, you know, deification was a common teaching in the early church. And again, by deification, they're talking about sanctification, transformation, confirmation, and glorification with Christ as life and nature. But this is remarkable that even Luther referred to this, I mean, saw this truth. Let me read, uh, add just two quotes from Luther, very short, and maybe get a quick comment from you. In one of his sermons in 1519, he said, this again is Martin Luther now, for it is true that a man helped by grace is more than a man. Indeed, the grace of God gives him the form of God and deifies him, so that even the scriptures call him God and God's son. Then in another sermon, famous sermon from 1514, Luther said, Just as the word of God became flesh, so it is certainly also necessary that the flesh become word. For the word becomes flesh precisely so that the flesh may become word. In other words, God becomes man so that man may become God. Thus, power became powerless so that weakness may become powerful. The Logos puts on our form and manner. I mean, it sounds much like Witness Lee, doesn't it, when we hear it these days? It's exactly the same, Chris, and that's just such a powerful and profound item that you just quoted. Chris, a simple illustration to me is the example of teaification. When you put a tea bag into hot water, the water gets teaified. Right. That's an example of deification. You have teaification, but the water does not become the tea bag. Right. You know, just like we don't become God in the Godhead, but his element gets infused into us so that we have the same 
taste, flavor, expression. We express God, and we become the same as he is in life and nature so that we can express him, and this glorifies him to the uttermost. Ed, the wonderful illustration. We even look at a cup of that mingled substance and call it tea, although technically it's still water and it's still tea, but uh, it's hard to almost distinguish, isn't it? And that is really the promise of God's full salvation for man. Otherwise, how could we ever hope to express God? Exactly. And Chris, what's so marvelous? You know, I use the illustration of the hot water. You know, our circumstances are the hot water lots of times. Right. And it gets stirred up. Our situation gets stirred up. And that's when we really call on the Lord. And we really get desperate from him. And he has a way to infuse his element into us so that when people see us, they don't see us, per se. They see Christ in us and Christ lived out through us. And that is a real glory and an exaltation of our wonderful God. Ed, listen to this last quick phrase and we'll go on to Witness Lee once more. Although God does not stop being God and humanity does not stop being human, the union, though, is real. It is a community of being of God and man. Well, Ed, let's go back to Witness Lee and uh, finish up this uh, portion as we are touching this marvelous matter of, as you said, really the heart of the mystery of God for man. In Jewish time, so many spiritual, divine things which God intended to do, yet God hasn't done it. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus talked to Nicodemus, the Lord said, Now I am telling you the things of the earth you don't understand. If I'm going to tell you the things in heaven, how could you understand? Then in John 16, the Lord was trying to tell the disciples some of the things the Lord couldn't tell because they couldn't enter into so the Lord had to wait. Then Saul was raised up. Then the Lord just told the thing to Saul. Right? The heavenly things. You think about it. How many items from incarnation to the consummation of the New Jerusalem. How many things. So by Job's time, God has a lot of things within him. But God just couldn't release those things to Job. Job, you are in a realm to build up something wrong. In brave, to to build up yourself in perfection, uprightness, integrity. Actually, that's wrong, Job. God, in his eternal economy, he doesn't have any desire to build up these things. Rather, he considers all these things are frustrations. He would uh, just throw these things away. Then you will see him, and he will attract you to receive him. Then you will have his divine nature. His divine life, his divine element, his divine essence, his divine being. You will have him as all these, all these divine element. Then something will happen. That is metabolism will go on in you to transform you from this kind of present form of your human being to another form. That is the form of the divine being. 
then you will be reflecting him, that is to express him, to dispense him to others. This is what intended to do. So you and God, you too are in two realms, but God wants to uh, transfer you from your present realm into his realm to make you not only one with him, but just to make you a part of him. I really pray that what we could bring forth to add to what we've heard from Witness Lee would, would make this matter very clear because we realize that to misunderstand this could be a very serious error, but to have a proper understanding according to the divine revelation is really something that I think God intends for all of his people to be brought into. Yes, Chris, and what we just heard is really wonderful because what God wants to do is to bring all of us, all of his people, out of the realm of ethics and ethical perfection into the realm of gaining God for God's expression. If I'm so successful and I'm so ethical in myself, then I just express myself. Many times the Lord sovereignly allows us to pass through sufferings, even failures, to realize that apart from him, we're terrible. We need him, and we need to gain him. And Chris, I would just like to mention just a few things in the way of conclusion to our listeners One thing that really helped me was Watchman Nee gave the example of a picture on a vase. And he said, the revelation we receive of the Lord is like the painting of the picture on the vase. But when you put the vase into the oven, then the picture painted on the vase becomes a part of the vase. Mm. And that's what God is doing with us. As we spend time with him, we see things from the word. It's so wonderful. That's the painting of the revelation of God on us in our being. And then as we go through the heat and trials of our daily life, what we see of Christ, what we see of God, becomes a part of us, and Christ gets constituted into us. Now, Chris, again, I would like to just mention there's two things. In Matthew 5, verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? It means our only goal is God himself. And Christ is God. He's our goal. So, Chris, it means a lot every day to say, Lord, I take you as my goal. I just want to contact you. I want to see you. I want to gain you. I want to lay hold of you. I want to be filled with you. So I like to begin the day in the word and in prayer because you're the goal of my life. I want to live you and magnify you. And then again, Chris, throughout the day, 2 Corinthians 3.16, whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, even right now. We can say, Lord Jesus, I turn my heart to you. As soon as we turn our heart to the Lord, we're in the process of being transformed in his image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. So this is very simple, but when we turn our heart to the Lord, when we take him as our unique goal, we spend time with him to fellowship with him, his eternal purpose gets worked out. In our day life, we're being remodeled with Christ. Remodeling implies tearing down. Mm -hmm. So our natural man is torn down, but we're rebuilt with Christ, who is the reality of the triune God. And then we become his pure expression. This is God's intention for us. So much of this God was uh, pointing to in the way of pictures in his dealing with Job and actually many of the other uh, figures in the Old Testament. It took Paul to really bring this out as he said, I have many things I'd like to say, but I can't. He had to wait, uh, and even we're still waiting for it all to be revealed and manifested in us, aren't we, Ed, day by day? We are, Chris. I'm just so thankful that the Lord gained Saul of Tarsus, you know, 
who, you know, we know he was transformed in his Paul, the Apostle Paul, because when he read the Old Testament, he just saw God's heart's desire everywhere, and he saw Christ everywhere. And now here we are, we're enjoying this Christ, and we're seeing God's heart's desire. Here at the end of this age, we believe the Lord is very close to coming back, and we want to be prepared to be his bride. And this is what we're touching on these radio programs. Well, we really hit a a high peak today for sure. Ed, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, look forward to the next time we can come together. Chris, I'm looking forward to coming back. And and again, you know, Chris, I'd like to encourage our listeners to get the printed message because this life study of Job is so remarkable. I go back to it again and again. I've got it highlighted, then I go back and I underline something. and <laughs> It's just very priceless. I think they get a lot of help by well, getting that. at that point, Ed, I'll just mention our toll-free number, so if they'd like to take advantage of that and contact us to get the printed Life Study of Job, they can do so. The toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888 543 3788. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you very much for listening today. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.